0: Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. I'm sure that, that if, uh, if we were to go around the room, you'd probably have some sort of dish or some, something that, uh, that defines your, your Christmas gathering. Um, maybe it's with new Christmas jammies. Who got new Christmas jammies this, uh, this year? Okay, go ahead and own it. It's okay, it's okay. Some of you are prouder than others, um, so uh, I'm not asking to see them. I just wanted to know if you got them. Uh, for some, Christmas is an opportunity to travel. Uh, my family will be gone uh, after the service today. We'll be heading south, and so uh, uh, so. But every family's got its own sort of traditions. Uh, this year, our traditions are upended just a little bit because Christmas falls on Sunday, and. I didn't know this was a controversial situation for Christmas Day to fall on the Lord's Day. Um, but the number of churches that chose to not meet today is absolutely stunning to me. I mean, it's there's all kinds of churches that aren't meeting today. And and again, if families make the decision not to come to church because it's Christmas, that's, that's certainly up to any family to make that decision. But to, to not have services at all is... Is, I'll just say this, it's a curious decision, to say the least. Uh, and maybe it's always been controversial. I just don't remember the last time it felt so controversial as it does this year. And, and I guess it's because COVID gave us permission to cancel church. And so now it's like, oh, we can cancel church now. And so people are taking advantage of it. The last time Christmas fell on the Lord's Day was in 2016. Prior to that, it was 2011. So, uh, so in the last decade or so, we've, we've gotten close to twice. You may not realize this, but the next time that Christmas falls on the Lord's Day is not until 2033. So we've got 11 years before we have to uh, cross the controversial road again. And just to put that into perspective, your child that this morning was excited about getting a new bicycle is hoping to get something with four wheels the next time Christmas (laughs) falls on a Sunday. And it's very likely, are you ready for this? If you've got high school students this Christmas, you're gonna be shopping for grandchildren the next time Christmas falls on Sunday. (sighs) That just got heavy, didn't it? (laughs) But you know, I think regardless of when the celebration of the birth of our Lord falls, I think one of the challenges we all have as Christian families is making sure that Jesus stays at the center of that celebration um, because let's just look at the world around us. Culture is, is begging for us to celebrate, celebrate Christmas differently. Uh, we were reminded of Christmas all the way back in the early fall. That's when retailers start to, uh, start to uh, celebrate the holiday we call Hallow Thanksmas. We've joked about that But but I mean, as early as September, I'm surprised I haven't figured out how to work Labor Day into the celebration of Christmas. Uh, But again, you think about from the very first time that Christmas decorations are unboxed at your favorite retailer. There's very little in all of that to do with Jesus. Santa is easy to find. His arrival is lauded at the shopping mall and Bass Pro Shop and all the other places he likes to visit during this season. But it's interesting that the arrival of Jesus isn't celebrated quite so prevalently. My neighbor has an inflatable nativity scene. I've always thought the inflatable nativity scene was was an interesting thing. Inflate a baby Jesus. I don't know. It's always been, been interesting. And the other morning when it was so cold, I, I, we left the house and, and his inflatable nativity scene was all deflated because I guess he didn't want it to blow away in the wind. And I thought, how telling of our culture today, that, uh, that the, the one symbol of Jesus, although we've inflated it, uh, was laying there in his lawn, all kinds of deflated. As Americans, though, it's no doubt that we love t- to celebrate the holiday known as Christmas. But I think if we look around, we're not nearly as in love with the reason for the holiday of Christmas. It's so unfortunate for us to have a celebration and completely miss the purpose of the celebration. But then again, welcome to 21st century America where we celebrate for the sake of celebrating without remembering the reason for our celebrations. In spite of all that this morning, I, I just briefly this morning, I know that's shocking to hear me say that, but it, it, just briefly this morning, I want us to take a look back, look back past the trees and twinkling lights, past the frosty snowmen, and the red-nosed caribou, past the holly and tinsel, past the leg lamps, buddy the elf, and the jelly of the month clubs. This morning I want us to look briefly back into that incredible day when God sent his son, born of a virgin, that we now know as Emmanuel. I'm gonna read a passage that's very familiar to us today and I would invite you to stand in reverence to the reading of this very familiar text, which is all too appropriate for this day. Luke chapter two, beginning in verse one. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of, And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Father, I thank you for this text, which is so familiar, so iconic to us. It's so clear and concise. It paints a picture for us that is so vivid in our minds and our imaginations. But I thank you, God, that this text is not just a story, it's not just a myth, but it is a true telling of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we live in a world today that has worked very hard to move Christ as far away from Christmas as possible, we pray that as your people today, we might learn to keep Christ close. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you can be seated. You know, I don't care how many times I hear that story, it continues to paint the most striking images in my mind. And again, you've been in church any length of time, you know that this story's been parsed and preached over the years. We've seen all kinds of adaptations of it. We've driven through living nativity scenes. Maybe you've seen the inflatable nativity scenes in your neighbor's yard. We've seen all the Christmas pageants with all the children dressed as shepherds and sheep and angels. We've seen all the different adaptations of the story. But this morning, I want us to look at just two of the verses in these 20 that I read, verses 18 and 19. And in looking at these verses, I hope that we can learn all we can this morning to help keep Christ a little closer to our Christmas celebration the first thing that jumps out this morning that I want to draw attention to is the fact that the shepherds had a story to tell. We love to tell a good story, don't we? I mean, that, that drives, if you just think about how, many, how much our stories drives our conversations and drives just our relationships. In our family, we've got stories that we love to tell. And and there's only a few words that are needed to remind us of the story that become part of that living history in our family. Our, our stories are always defined by something that goes above and beyond the ordinary. In our family, just, just the simple act of having a friend come and spend the night is normal. It may not make a story, but when that friend decides to sleepwalk off the top bunk, somehow managing to find the ceiling fan with his forehead... It becomes a story that is told, and the bloodshed and carnage that followed becomes a a part of our history, and again, it doesn't take much to remind us of that story. You know, the shepherds gathered in those fields outside of Bethlehem, they probably passed the time on those long winter nights by telling stories, telling of their encounters, their adventures over the years. Most nights were normal. Most nights, there was nothing exciting. Most nights, it was just a matter of passing the time. Some nights, there were stories. That night in Bethlehem, God was about to write a brand new story for these shepherds that they simply couldn't keep silent about. It was a story so extraordinary that people didn't even have a frame of reference for Again, it begins with a, a shocking enough image, a single angel, an angel of the Lord, appearing in the middle of the night, piercing the darkness with the glory of God. Well, just that would be hard to keep silent about. Your normal day, your normal shift is interrupted by such a profound sight, it would be very difficult to not talk about that story. But it goes beyond that, because that was not the extent Of their night, that night in Bethlehem, because suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts gathered there in the skies above them. Again, if your mental movie somehow creates a large gathering of baby faced angels with harps, think again. I think our picture of angels is often colored by like precious moments figurines that floating there in the skies above, above Bethlehem were little baby cherubs with harps and, and it was cute and cuddly and, and those sort of things but, but that's not what the Bible tells us here. Luke's language is very clear. There's a multitude, a crowd, thousands. This is not a multitude in biblical standards this morning. This multitude of heavenly hosts would have been thousands gathering there in the skies. And then they're defined as as the heavenly host. And we don't talk about that anymore. We don't use that language even anymore. What is is the heavenly host? It's a military term. The host, the word host, is a a word to describe an army. An army ready for battle, an army that is armed and ready to go on the march. These shepherds, literally, that night, found themselves bathed in the glory of heaven's angels in the middle of a host of heaven's armies, readied and willing to march. That's, a, that's the image that Luke paints for us here. And while we certainly appreciate the, the children's Christmas pageants with the, with the little child in the white robe with the tinsel halo around their head, that's not what this is. It's nothing close to what this picture is. That had to be terrifying. Can you imagine that being in that place, in that time, in that space. It had to be absolutely terrifying. At the same time, it had to be absolutely awe-inspiring. There's no way to ignore it, and there was no way to keep silent about it. It was such a dramatic vision that verse 18 says that everyone who heard it, they wondered at what the shepherds told them. Does that mean that, are these guys crazy? Are they telling the truth? Well, that's not what the word wonder here means. Wonder doesn't mean that the people question. It means that the people were amazed, as they should have been. Uh, again, that story, that image, that picture was stunning. It was shocking. It certainly was a story that would have amazed people. But that's the story of Christmas, it's amazing, it's stunning, it's incredible. The, the, what has happened on our behalf is, is so shocking that it, that it almost defies our ability to comprehend. Listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse nine. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. I don't know that Paul's vocabulary can give us a full picture of what's being said here. Again, he uses the word rich. Rich isn't about his financial situation. He's not talking about Jesus who, who was wealthy. Of course, you can't even define the wealth of God. I mean, that's, that's, he, he owns everything. Everything is his. So you can't even, you can't even talk about the wealth of God. But, but this idea of rich isn't about his financial situation. It's about his station. God is rich in power. He's omnipotent in power. God is rich in what he knows. He's omniscient in knowledge. You see, whenever men encountered angels, they were almost always compelled to try to worship them because of their glory. But the angels always redirected that adoration to the one that was greater than they were. This is that image that Paul is painting. He was rich, yet he embraced poverty. Again, not about his financial position, but about his station. What does it mean to say he embraced poverty? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul says this. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, this Jesus, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Instead, he's emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born In the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the this is the the mystery, the majesty of Christmas. This Almighty God who 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 receives the adoration of heaven's angels, this host of angels that greeted the shepherds that night, they would all look and say, he's the king, he's the one we worship, he's the one we serve, he's the one that we answer to. That God emptied of himself, taking on human form and being obedient even to the point of death on a cross. This is the story of Christmas. It's more than Christmas trees and decorations. It's the story of God taking on our likeness so that he could take on our sin and conquer it once and for all through his death, burial, and resurrection. This is the story that has began for us, not just at Christmas, but in the prophecies leading up to it. And the shepherds had a story to tell We keep Christ close at Christmas by continuing to tell the story. And even if people today no longer respond with wonder, we must still bear witness to this truth, just like the shepherds did long before there were any competing stories. You know, I I think, unfortunately, one of the things that's happened today is that the wonder of Christmas isn't locked up in the story of Jesus. The wonder of Christmas is captured in so many of those other competing stories. The, the wonder of Christmas, how in the world can those presents appear on Christmas morning? And our children are, are struck with the wonder of how that can possibly happen. You hear children talking about how in the world that man in the big red suit can do all the things that he does, and their wonder is captivated by that. Whereas the true wonder of Christmas ought to be captured in the person of Jesus coming in the form of man born on that first Christmas day. We continue to bear witness even when the wonder simply isn't there. The shepherds responded with, you'll never believe what happened. You gotta hear this. But Luke tells us that Mary had a very different response. We're told that Mary treasured and pondered Mary treasured and pondered. What does that even mean? When it says Mary treasured, that means that she stored up the significance of the events in which she found herself. It means that Mary's making a mental collection of all the things. And, and I think the women probably in the room understand that better than the men do because women, women function a lot that way where, where they collect these things and they store these things up and, and they create a mental catalog of these things. Men, we don't operate quite that way where we create a mental catalog. If we're gonna get a catalog, we better write it down. Uh, we got singular focus here. you know, Focus on the task at hand. Women are a little bit different. Mary treasures these things. She builds this mental collection of all these things. And again, for Mary, there's been a journey for her. Again, her, her arc is amazing. From that first meeting with the angel, where she hears what's about to happen, to this rudimentary nursery and to the visit of ecstatic shepherds. Thankfully, there were no little boys banging drums at the birth of Mary's baby, as the Christmas song often tells us. But while all this was unfolding, Mary was creating a mental scrapbook. A scrapbook that would help to inform her over the next 33 years. A scrapbook that would tell the story of her own redemption. Mark Lowry asked the rhetorical question of Mary. Mary, did you know? And the truth is that she absolutely knew. Which is why she was building that that treasury in her own mind. But it also says she pondered. What does that mean? It means that she reflected She meditated. She didn't just collect facts, but she also considered their significance. The significance of these events that transpire there, they would literally shake the world and would reshape eternity. The significance of these events would transform nations and would define history. We meet here at the end of 2022 on the cusp of 2023, and we do so in a world that marks time, By the birth of this Savior, as Mary kissed her little baby, she literally kissed the face of God, and she knew it, and she treasured it, and she pondered it. As I think about these responses, though, I can't help but think that the responses of both the shepherds and Mary should continue to define and should continue to inform our response today we have to absolutely continue to tell the story. Keeping Christ close at Christmas means that we can never let this story grow stale in our own hearts. And, and even as we tell the story, we can't allow it to grow stale in our own minds. I think about the, the greatest stories in my family. Those stories never grow old. I, I know that one day I'll tell those stories to my grandchildren Every time we tell them those stories bring about fresh laughs or sometimes even fresh tears. All it takes is a cue and that story comes back to the forefront again. And that's the stories for my family but the story that we read about Jesus here it's just as personal. It's just as significant. It's far more important. The gospel is good news. The gospel is big news. The gospel is saving news. The gospel is familiar news. But the gospel should never be old news. And every time we gather, whether it's on a day that's strangely odd, even as we gather on this Christmas day, on the Lord's day, it is the gospel that binds us together in unity. Every time we worship, it is the gospel that fills our praises, and every time we open the word of God, it is the gospel that defines our understanding. Every time we peer into the darkness of our streets, the darkness of our nation, it is the gospel that shines light. And even as we examine the darkness in our own hearts, it is the gospel that exposes it and drives that darkness away. And so as we celebrate Christ's birth, On this day, just as we celebrate the Lord's resurrection every time we gather on Sunday, may we do what the shepherds did. May we proclaim with excitement, with enthusiasm. May people hear of our proclamation and say, wow, who are these people? How how has a story so transformed them? But may we also treasure the good news of Jesus and store up these these facts, these, these ideas, these concepts. May we store them up And may we also ponder them and reflect on their significance. And may the good news about Jesus be the greatest story that we tell. And as we tell it, we keep Christ close in our hearts, close in our homes, close in our church, and close in our communities. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I'm grateful for your word Father, I'm thankful for the story of Jesus. but it's so much more than just a story. It's not a myth, it's not a legend. It is the story of a of a real event, a real moment that is that, that transcends our our world, that defines our civilization, that has literally changed the lives of Millions and millions of people over the last 2,000 years. God, today it seems that in many ways darkness is more prevalent than it's ever been. But it is the good news of Jesus, his birth, miraculous in form, born to a virgin. It is his life, his ministry, his teaching. It is his sacrificial death and his victorious resurrection It is that good news that continues to transform, that continues to change, that continues to move men to do great things for the glory of God. Lord, as we gather on this day, this Lord's Day, that also happens to be Christmas Day, may we continue to tell the story as the shepherds. May we continue to treasure the good news of the gospel and ponder its significance, both in our own lives, the lives of our family, and our world at large. May we faithfully tell the story. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We're just minutes from downtown Chattanooga. We hope to see you soon.